We're in the middle of a series in the Gospel of John, where the author John tells us his recollection of the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, the Son of God. Now, we said this right from the beginning, but John, John's Gospel isn't just a story about Jesus. It's not just facts about Jesus. He, he's telling us the story of Jesus because he has a specific purpose, and that is for us to see that is for us to believe, and that is for us to be saved. Um, that's my kid, eh? It's always my kid. You know, when we were young, when we were young, we were limited. We were limited. We <laughs> can't even can't even edit the live feed, eh? <laughs> it only gets better. <laughs> Let's just take a moment. It's been a long day, guys. It's been a long day. When we were young, there were many things in this world that we just didn't understand. Um, I, I've shared this story before, but my daughter, when she was a few years younger, I think she was maybe four, we went to the shops, and she looked at this toy, and she said, Daddy, I want this toy. And I said, whoa, that's $50. I said, do you have money? And she goes, money? No. And I said, well, how are you going to buy it? And she goes, with her little, you know, puffy eye, she goes, you have money. You know, for a four-year-old, that's how it works, right? I want something, daddy pays for it, right? But I don't know about you, but even when I was young, right, using the same idea of money, right, you think about where does money come from? Right? When you were young, where, where did you think money came from? ATMs, right? We just all thought that you put in a card, you press some magical numbers, and suddenly money turns up, and then you can use that money to do things, buy things. But obviously, when we get older, our understanding of the world matures. And we realize that it's not as simple as put the card in, press some buttons, and the money comes out. Actually, you've got to put money in there first. You've got to put money in there first, and when you put money in, then you can um, withdraw that money. And so we think to ourselves, our knowledge has increased. Our understanding has increased. But if I was to ask you the question, what happens to the money you deposit before you withdraw it? There wouldn't be many of us that would be actually, actually be able to answer that question, Right? In our minds, even that idea of depositing and withdrawing money, our understanding is actually very basic unless you work in the bank or in the financial sector, right? You know, that money, I'm not even going to try to explain. When we grow up, we think that we know more. We think that we understand the world more. But isn't it funny that actually... There is a lot of things in our lives that we still don't understand. Like, yes, when we were young, we were innocent, and so the things that we understood or didn't understand, you know, of course, we look at them now and go, well, that's silly. But even now, right, Jackie Chan, even now, even now, there's no one here that would be able to say, I know everything, I understand everything, right? You know, even collectively as a human race, 
right? Seven billion people in the world, right? Seven billion people collectively as humans. Do we know everything? Do we understand everything? And the answer is no. The answer is no. Okay? Why is it that when we, want to, when we go to bed that we, f- we find it hard to fall asleep and then when we have to wake up that we just want to sleep more? Right? I'm sure there's some science behind that. Why is it that some people are more forgetful than others? Why does time go so fast? Right? When you're having fun, but so slow during piano lessons. You ever get that one? Man, the clock, it's like it just pauses. What about mosquitoes? I was writing this, being bitten by a mosquito, questioning why do we even have mosquitoes? Have you ever thought about this? What do mosquitoes do for the world? Right? I'm sure someone knows, but I don't. Right? How about this one? How do hearts break? And how do they mend? And we're not talking about medical stuff here, right? Far out. I'm just looking at all these people with history of broken hearts. I just don't want to put anyone on the spot because we're live. The list goes on and on and on. And we realize that even the smartest and wisest of people don't have answers to everything. And yet, life goes on. But we live in a world that is obsessed with knowledge. We live in a world that is obsessed with understanding. Knowledge is power. I think, therefore, I am. Education, training, tutoring, academia, PhDs, books. These are all in the pursuit of knowledge, which is not a bad thing. The pursuit of knowledge is not a bad thing. The pursuit of understanding is not a bad thing. But the question is, what happens when we don't know? And what happens when the answer is not as logical? Does the world stop moving? And the answer is, it doesn't. The world is not determined whether we understand something or not. Just because we completely uh, don't completely understand something doesn't mean it's not real. The answer is no, it can be very real, even though you and I don't understand it. In the passage we read today, Jesus is going to do a miracle in John 6. He's going to do a miracle. A miracle is defined an extraordinary and welcome event that is not explicit, explicable by natural or scientific laws and is therefore attributed to divine agency. A miracle is something that cannot be explained in humanistic terms. Therefore, we think it's supernatural. It has to have come from God. That's what a miracle is. Personally, this is my favorite miracle out of all the ones that Jesus did. He healed people. He cast out demons. He walked on water. But this is my favorite. As we read it, you will see why this is my favorite miracle. John chapter 6, verse 1. Let's read it together. Sometime after this, Jesus crossed to the far shore of the Sea of Galilee, that is the Sea of Tiberias. And a great crowd of people followed him because they saw the signs he had performed by healing the sick. Then Jesus went up to the mountainside and sat down with his disciples. The Jewish Passover festival was near. Pause. Now, 
By now, in John's gospel, if you've been keeping up, Jesus has done what? He's turned water into wine. Okay? Last week, we talked about Jesus healing a man who couldn't walk. Okay? He's doing some pretty cool stuff. He's drawing a crowd. He's drawing a crowd. Verse 5. When Jesus looked up and saw a great crowd coming towards him, he said to Philip, Where shall we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Philip answered him, It would take more than half a year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. A bite. Now, this was a big crowd. And as they followed Jesus, Jesus, because of his love and concern for them, asked one of his disciples, Hey, these people must be hungry. Where can we get some food for them? And Philip, he responds in a very logical and normal response. Jesus, are you crazy? How, how would you feed all these people? And he goes, it would take half a year's man's wage for everyone to just have a bite. Now, we know that Pastor May wouldn't enjoy that. Bite, swap, bite, swap, bite, swap, bite. <laughs> Don't worry. We shouldn't be doing that right now. That's right. In accordance to the Australian law, we should not be sharing food at the moment. Six months' salary just to buy enough bread for everyone to have a bite. And who's got, who's got six months' salary in their pocket? Right? Verse 8. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, spoke up. Here is a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish, but how far will they go among so many? Right? They're all thinking about Jesus is like, hey, how do we feed? How do we feed these people? And Philip goes, man, that'd take six months' salary to just even give everyone a bite. And then you get Andrew, who goes, hey, hey guys, little Johnny here bought his lunchbox. <laughs> What's in his lunchbox, guys? Is five, and, 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 and listen to the wording, not even five loaves, five small barley loaves and two small fish. Don't you love the detail? It's not just five loaves of bread and two fish, but they're small. Like literally this boy's mom packed the boy lunch. This was this kid's lunch. Hey, you're going to go see and follow Jesus today? Here, take some, you know, put it in a little sandwich back for him. John, once again, has said, he, he emphasizes the word small. Why? To remind us that this was irrelevant. It was an irrelevant lunch. Verse 10. Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus then took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much. Oh, sorry. Distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had 
all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. And that's the miracle that Jesus did. That's the miracle. He took Johnny's lunchbox, five small pieces of bread, two small fish, and he fed, and the Bible tells us 5,000 men. Commentators say, well, it just didn't include the women and the children. You're looking at a number, 10,000 plus. 10,000 plus is half of Kudos Bank Arena. Okay? And Jesus fed them with five bits of bread and two small fish. Not only that, not only did he feed these 10,000 plus people, it wasn't even a bite. They ate till they were full. Right? You all see why this is my favorite miracle, right? They ate till they were full. And then Jesus says, get the leftovers together. Right? So they gather the leftovers and they get 12 baskets full of leftovers. And then what happens to the leftovers? All the, Asians, all the Asian mums took them home in their handbags, <laughs> in their McDonald's um, napkins. <laughs> You all know what I'm talking about. Twelve baskets of leftover food, let alone that it fed over 10,000 people to their fill. To their fill. That's the miracle. Verse 14. After the people saw the sign Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Jesus, knowing that they had intended to make uh, to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. John uses the word sign. He doesn't call this a miracle, but he calls this a sign. Now, remember when we first started, we talked about the sign. What is a sign? A sign on itself is nothing. But a sign points to something. So what John is trying to show us, he's not going, look at this miracle, look at this miracle. What John is trying to show us is look what it's pointing to. Look what it's pointing to. And it's pointing to Jesus, the Son of God, who made this miracle happen. That's why John calls it a sign. And this is what the people saw. They saw the sign. They saw Jesus, the Son of God, do a miraculous work. But... The people then take matters into their own hands. And because they saw Jesus, and because they were like, wow, this guy's awesome, this guy's the king, you know, let's make him the king. But Jesus, knowing this, he slips away. So they can't do that. That's the story. Now, once again, favorite miracle of all time. If I saw a guy walking on water, I'd be like, hmm. Healing someone, great. Or you can eat buffet for the rest of your life. Oh, Jesus. Feeding 10,000 plus people with a happy meal. That's my type of miracle. You know, for many of us, we would have heard this story a lot. And, you know, I've just explained it to you, and most of you are like, yep, heard this before. That's great. Jesus did a great work. But how many times have you actually thought about this? And this is where I want to go tonight. Don't you read that story and still have questions? 
Because I do. I have questions like, why did Jesus feed them that day? Was Jesus feeding them breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Why that day? Was he feeding them every day? Did they have, you know, if, if the next day some, you know, Johnny's mate came with spaghetti bolognese, did everyone get spaghetti bolognese? You know? Um, you know, why, why, why bread and fish? And there's all these questions. But the biggest question and the most simple question is this. How did Jesus... How did Jesus take two, uh, two small fish and five small pieces of bread and, and, and feed 10,000 plus people and have 12 baskets of leftovers? That's the big question. You know, so many of us, right, we just read this story and we hear this story and go, yeah, yeah, Jesus is God, so God can do it. Amen. Have you ever thought about, like, how that really worked? I remember when I was a kid, I was like, man, they must have cut up that fish into some real small pieces. You know, even as Christians, you know, we, we struggle to explain it in a logical and rational way. And so, as I said, that the way we explain it is, well, Jesus is God, and well, God can do anything, and and I guess that's it. That's the answer. That's how Jesus fed the five thousand. But it's like our level of understanding is still so far off that we actually struggle to explain. Now, as I said before, we live in a society that is obsessed with knowledge. We live in a society that is obsessed with understanding, even into our faith. We have, even in our faith, we have made the end goal knowledge. Now think about what I'm saying. For many of us, obtaining knowledge... Obtaining knowledge about God, that is what we have made the end goal of our relationship with God. For many of us, and on the flip side, for many of us, because knowledge is the priority, because we feel like we lack knowledge, we suddenly, knowledge is a barrier to go closer to God. For many of us, we think that because we lack knowledge or we don't understand everything, it's only when we do, that's when I will believe. That's when I can believe. And it's this idea that knowledge is the highest value in our society. And knowledge is the most important thing. And so therefore, if you don't have full knowledge or full understanding, then I can't, I, I can't do it. And what I would tell you is, that's wrong. And ironically, you know, we, we're okay with that in our society. But for some reason, when it comes to God, it becomes a barrier. Let me give you the example. We'll go back to the, 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 the FBOS machine, right? Even though you don't know everything about how an FPOS machine works, you still trust that machine to put in money and pull out money. Is that not the case? You know, and people go, oh, well, you know, the finances and the dollars go in and they get put into the reserve bank and blah, 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 blah. blah. No, no, no. Do you know how mechanically an FPOS machine works? Do you know where the screws go and how the money goes in and suddenly goes, oh, I don't know. I'm poor, so I usually get a. 
because there's only one no, <laughs> right? Right? For, for you that are rich, right? I've heard this before, someone in front of me, right? <laughs> but do you know how that works? If we're honest, you don't know how that 100% works, and yet, and yet you will trust that machine to use it. What about your car? I know some of us know how cars work, and that's great. But most of us know the extent of our knowledge of cars is you put the key in, you turn it, you hope that there's fuel in there. Vroom. Right? Most of us, some of us know very in detail how cars work, and, you know, that's great. But for the most of us, it's like, look, is there no engine light on? Great, let's go. Right? See, we don't need complete knowledge and understanding to use an FPOS machine to get in a car, you know? We don't need to understand the structural loadings of this building so that the roof won't fall in. You didn't need to know that to come into this. It, it wasn't a barrier. And yet, when it comes to faith, when it comes to faith, suddenly for some of us, we're like, well, I don't really know too much about God. I don't really know much about the Bible. I don't really, really understand everything. Therefore, I can't proceed. And it becomes a barrier. Ironic, right? It's not consistent. That's what I'm saying. It's not consistent. I'm not saying, I'm not saying that knowledge and understanding are not important. Not at all. They are important. But I want to challenge you tonight that the most important thing in our faith, in our relationship with God, is not actually not knowledge and understanding. But our End goal in faith is obedience and love. Even when we don't completely understand everything, and even when our knowledge is limited, that does not stop us from loving God or obeying Him. Jesus was asked once, what is the most important commandment in the Bible? Right? Good question. Whoever, Whoever... Ask that question to Jesus. He's a really smart guy, right? And Jesus responds in Mark 12. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than this. Can I point out right now, here and now, the greatest commandment was not know me. Understand me. Understand my history. Understand how sanctification and justification and all of those really big words work. But the greatest commandment that Jesus tells us as he summarizes all the commandments of the scriptures is this, love God. What Jesus is telling us is actually loving God. Loving God is the end goal of our faith and loving others. We don't get into heaven. All right, heaven is not like selective school. Okay, you don't, you don't get into heaven by sitting a test. Name all 12 disciples. Oh, we should do this, hey? You know what? You know what's a really interesting one? Can you name? Okay, before I put anyone on the spot. Okay, most of us have been going to church for a pretty long time, right? 
You know, we read the Bible at least once a week, right? Okay, well, hopefully once a week at church at least, and then your devotions, right? For some of us, you know, we've been gone for a while, right? Name the order of the books of the Bible. 66 of them. Oh, I'm not, I wouldn't do it to you. It's embarrassing, right? Heaven's not like that. God's not like that. See, this is something that we need to truly understand. Is God is not concerned more about our knowledge or understanding of Him. God is more concerned about our relationship with Him. He is more concerned about whether you love Him and whether you love others. He doesn't want knowledge and understanding to be a barrier in your relationship with God. He acknowledges that not everyone's going to have the same level of understanding. He acknowledges that not everyone is going to have the same knowledge. Of course, that's the reality. But we can all love God. We can all love God. See, knowledge about someone, you can know about someone. You can deepen that knowledge by studying and observing that person. But you actually can do that without relationship. I can study Michael Jordan. I can learn all about Michael Jordan. I can tell you all of his statistics, all of you know, his achievements, all about his history, all about his family without having any relationship with him. That's knowledge. But our goal is not knowledge and it's not understanding, but it's relationship. And when you have a relationship with someone, then naturally your knowledge and understanding about that person will grow. You can have knowledge without relationship, but you can't have relationship without knowledge. Our priority is relationship. Think about marriage. Imagine marriage was about, the highest goal of marriage was understanding and knowledge. Only when you understand me will I put the ring on. No one understands women. Okay. Happy International Women's Day to everyone. But we do not understand you. We can celebrate you, but we do not understand you. There are so many times, I've been married for 13 years, and you'd think... After 13 years. You know, if you were playing a sport professionally every day for 13 years, you would expect them to be good. Right? If I was learning a language every day for 13 years, I would, you would expect me to be very fluent in that language. And then there's marriage. After 13 years, you know what I realize? I still don't get it. There are times where I don't get it. I'll tell you this. Oh. This just happened outside. This is live. This is, you know, this is how we go, right? I'm outside and I thought I'd go get a drink. And so I turn around as I'm walking out. I said, does anyone want a drink? Right? And Ren goes, I'll come with you to get a drink. Okay, that's fine. And so Ren and I walk out, go get a drink, come back. My wife comes up to me and goes, hey, where's my sparkling water? <laughs> where's my sparkling water? And, and I was like, uh-oh. <laughs> what sparkling water right and then I thought 
wait a minute, ask Ren. So I asked Ren, Ren, did Mel say sparkling water? And he's like, no. And then he saw Mel and he goes, no, maybe. (laughs) Man. If the qualification for me to marry my wife was, do you understand me? And do you know much about me? wouldn't be here. See, but in marriage, the relationship is the priority. And as you prioritize that relationship, your knowledge and understanding about that person will naturally happen. But if you try to learn about that person and try to understand about that person, that does not mean that you will have a relationship with that person. We need to think in our faith, in our faith, or in your faith, what's the priority? What's the priority? Is it gaining knowledge? Is it understanding? Right? When you wake up in the morning and you open your daily devotions, which I hope that everyone's doing, right? When you open God's word, why? Have you ever asked this question? Why do you do this? Right? Is it because you want to know more about God? Is it because you want to um, be able to write more essays about God? Do you want to be able to tell other people more facts about God? Or is it because you have a relationship with God? And so when you read scripture, is God speaking to you? When you pray, is you speaking to God? And out of that natural relationship, knowledge and understanding comes out. Do you get what, you get, you get what the difference is, right? It's about the priority. The priority is not knowledge and understanding. The priority is relationship. And then knowledge and understanding will come. You know, after 13 years, because I love my wife, I have learnt a lot about her. I have learnt to understand many things. I was even going to say most things, but that would be a lie. Right? But just because I don't understand doesn't mean I don't love her. Just because I don't have full knowledge of why that whole thing works brain of hers works. Just because I don't understand it or I don't have that knowledge, it doesn't change the way I love her because actually my love for her is the priority first. My commitment to her is the priority first. And as I love her and as I commit to her, I'm going to learn more about her. And hopefully after 50 years, I may or may not get it. Imagine you were one of the 10,000 people at this amazing event. You were one of the 10,000 crowd. And you see little Johnny turn up with his little lunchbox, right? And they hand over the five bits of bread and the two fish. And, and you're sitting there going, wow, this is going to be good. Right? And somehow, some way, they've got these baskets and the disciples keep doing one of those Mary Poppins things. They just keep pulling things out of the bag, right? Just keeps coming out, just keeps coming out, just keeps coming out, right? And you're sitting there going, wow, this is amazing. And they keep coming out, right? You know, feeding 1,000, 2,000, 3,000, 4,000, 5,000. And you're sitting there and instead of, even though you're hungry, right? And everyone's hungry, right? Instead of eating the food, you sit there, try to analyze, how is this working? 
and you're watching Jesus, you're watching the disciples, you're watching the bread, you're watching the fish. It's like, is this like some kind of David Copperfield magic trick? Like, what are they trying to do? How is this actually happening? Are they splitting the fish? Is it a certain way they're cutting it up? Is... And instead of actually receiving what Jesus has given to you, maybe you're that person that's just sitting there trying to work it out. And you're like, I'm not going to eat this until I understand it. Do you know what's going to happen? You're going to go hungry. Can I tell you, you will never understand everything about God. You will never have the complete knowledge of God. On this side of eternity, it doesn't matter how many books you read. It doesn't matter how many podcasts you listen to. It doesn't matter how smart, wise you are. You will never understand everything about God. But that's okay. Because your understanding and knowledge shouldn't determine your love and obedience to God. Actually, your love and obedience to God should determine your knowledge and understanding. The priority is relationship. You know, the crowd, they just enjoyed. They didn't have to understand how they said it. They're just like, wow, thanks Jesus. And they ate to their fill. They didn't need to understand it. And you know what? At the end of it, they were like, wow, he must be the Messiah. It was as simple as that for them. They didn't let knowledge and understanding get in the way of their faith. So what about you? Are you that person that needs to know everything and have an explanation behind everything and then you will believe? Right? If that's you, I want you to be consistent. Tell me next week how credit cards work before you use one. Tell me how trains run on or off time, whatever, I don't care, right, before you get onto one, right? It's so inconsistent, right? I need to know everything about Jesus before I can love him and I can believe him. What, suddenly, like, it's just a different category of thing? It's not. Don't elevate knowledge and understanding suddenly in your faith you know, experience when actually in the real world, you, it's not that important. Faith in itself, my friends, is a miracle. Hebrews 11.1, one, uh, no, 11.1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. Our understanding and knowledge will always be limited on this side of eternity, but please do not let that stop you believing in who Jesus is. He's the Son of God. He's the Son of God who died for your sin and rose again, and whoever puts their faith in him will receive the gift of eternal life. The scriptures give us enough for us to make that decision. The scriptures give us enough. There is enough for us to know enough about God to make that choice. Do you need to understand the gift to receive it? Not at all. And I thank God for that. You just need to receive it. That's it. Receive it. Be grateful. Say thank you. Friends, knowledge and understanding is important, but it's not the goal in our faith. 
the goal in our faith is love. Love and obedience out of love. And I pray that your relationship with God would not be hindered by a lack of understanding or a lack of knowledge. But actually, it would be encouraged because you love him. Even if you don't understand what he's done, even if you can't put it all together, from what you know and from what he's done for you, you can respond in obedience and love. And I pray that we would choose that road, that we would choose the road of relationship over religion. Let's pray.